clients come with so many different topics to us and smoking is one of the most popular topics. There are even hypnotherapists who specialize in smoking cessation and for others smoking cessation is the opening door for other applications. Welcome to our mini-series on topics with which our clients come to us. I'm Axel Hommach, I'm a hypnotist in Cologne, Germany and a trainer for self-hypnosis. I'm currently here in London with Dr. John Butler, who is the director of the HTI, the Hypnotherapy Training International, one of the leading schools in modern hypnotherapy. Hello, John. Hello, Axel. Hello to the listeners. As we had in our last episode, a small introduction on various topics that our clients come to us with, we decided that we are going to take smoking as the first episode where we go deeper into the topic. And with your about 40 years of experience, and probably you've helped a lot of smokers during that time, maybe even countless smokers, what would you give as advice to our listeners depending on their stage of development, how they could enhance the work or, and also what is often behind smoking and is it more a programming session, is it more analytical session and whatever comes into the topic. Sure. Well, Axel, uh, you're, you mentioned who would this be for? Uh, and we've just decided on this topic <laughs> as one to start with. I'll talk about it generally. Okay. And there may be therapists who are already very good with smoking, helping people with smoking cessation, or therapists who are struggling, or somebody who is in training at the moment, or maybe somebody from the public who's interested in how hypnotherapy deals with such a matter, helping people give up this dependency or addiction to tobacco. Well, Axel, it is an important topic because we help people, we even save lives. We help them save their money and their health, extend their lives and quality of life, and has knock-on, major knock-on effects for families and other people whom they're associated with. It's a terrible problem, smoking, in the world. If you look at the statistics, it's been that way ever since the commercialization of tobacco products. Uh, we've had a few hundred years now, but in recent, say, a hundred years or so, the modern cigarette, this highly engineered product, highly addictive, highly conditioned into people's minds in the past as something glamorous, something that is even good for you. At one point, people were told it's something that relaxes you, and on and on and on. All of which, of course, these are false fixed ideas. Ultimately. If, you, if you look at historic advertisements, even doctors Prefer camels. <laughs> <laughs> preferred uh, or suggested that pregnant women smoke to make the child stronger. You mentioned why people smoke. And if you look at modern commercials, it's often connected to freedom and liberty. Yes. All of this uh, very slick advertising, very careful advertising. So let's look at how hypnotherapy in brief deals with the issue. The dependency or addiction or behavior or habitual behavior or habit as people often call it can be very deeply embedded in the mind. And that's because it has a neurological basis. Mm -hmm. 
neurophysiological basis, and it has an emotional basis, which becomes over time almost like a hypnotic suggestion in the minds of the smoker. Tobacco is my little friend, it's my comforter, it's my little crutch, it helps me with my stress, or it breaks up my, it punctuates activity in a way that gives me a little bit of a break. And people can be using it emotionally at a deeper level in ways they don't imagine. I've had clients, when we investigate part of the motivation to smoke, it's linked with defiance, growing up. Or, like you said, it somehow, it fulfills some other emotional link or goal for them. That at one point, it was glamorous. When I was young, the advertisements often featured people with glamorous, what we call glamorous profession smoking, doctors back in those days. An airline pilot getting off a plane, lighting up a cigarette. Yeah, I remember those pictures. Yeah, we, yeah. if you live long enough at this point, you remember them. So there is that motivation to smoke based on fixed ideas with their emotionalized energies associated with them. I have tried to give up smoking and I've failed maybe five, ten times. So that confirms the idea that I'm not able to live without it. The benefits, even though it's very destructive, the emotional benefits, the relaxation that I believe comes from smoking, the positive this, feelings in the mind. This is something that a lot of smokers realize, that when they smoke, they calm down. Yes. And often smokers also say that when they smoke a cigarette, for example, during the work, after that, it takes some time until they can work really again because the cigarette took them into a relaxed state from which yes. they have to recover, so to speak. Yes. Well, I was mentioning about neurology and tobacco has long been associated with helping people concentrate when they're doing some deep thinking. Now, of course, it's possible to create a link in your mind. Every time I smoke, it helps me think. And then once you believe that, it's going to be beneficial at a placebo level. And then you become dependent. If I don't have my cigarette, oh, I won't be able to think so well. Now, of course, the activity, uh, the action of nicotine on the brain is complex and there's other chemicals involved as well. And yes, people can use a drug to help their mental functioning in certain ways. Now, a lot of it is not simple the way people think. For example, when you smoke, you release dopamine, which gives that reward, satisfaction feeling. So you're triggering those areas within your brain those cell groups in the basal forebrain, those dopamine-producing cells in that area, you're triggering limbic system activity. Not only dopamine, but other chemicals. And so when you don't take the nicotine any longer, when you give it up, you don't have that reward feeling. So now you feel pretty low, not relaxed, until your receptor levels readjust to normal. So there's an effect, a chemical effect, which is too complicated to go into at the moment, but that's part of the addiction, the dependency on tobacco. Then, as I say, at the emotional level, well, now I have never learned to feel relaxed without my cigarette because it's always been that easy crutch. It has those neurological effects, which, by the way, once they wear off, make you feel very ill at ease. Then there's the craving and temptations that bedevil the smoker. I need more nicotine to get back to feeling okay so I can function normally. So the effects on the brain ultimately are very unhealthy. Any so-called beneficial effects, if they exist at all, are often really very secondary to the unhealthy effects on the brain, on our abilities mentally 
but the dependency anyway is a huge problem long term with any drug and uh, when we couple that with the fact that as long as we're not using our own mental resources we have our own chemistry we have our own abilities we are weakening ourselves we are saying i need a drug to be happy to get high uh, well then you must be low this is something that many smokers say that when they have achieved something they feel good they need even more cigarettes to smoke yeah well that's the link your brain is making you're making it emotionally and the subconscious is a non-logical mind and so every smoker is saying logically i must give up and the subconscious saying oh no you enjoy it you love it you try to give up before you were miserable and tense so continue to smoke there's that conflict so we are penetrating deeply into the neurology with our suggestions and program with our hypnotic intervention and we're helping emotionally the person to feel strong confident without a cigarette because maybe the cigarette was also part of that when they joined a peer group when they were young they believed they would not be well they didn't have a lot of confidence in themselves so copying other people was in this case associated with smoking now even at this later stage in their life in some cases they have never learned to mark their own scorecard and feel good without getting other people's approval and even though now of course the idea of getting approval through smoking seems so ridiculous and the original stimulus almost seems lost to history perhaps maybe maybe not the subconscious still has associations which have been developed over the years you know i feel more comfortable when i'm with groups of smokers if i smoke well that would be a natural tendency for many of us anyway we're kind of herd creatures but for those people for whom smoking is associated with peer example and peer pressure and they're not very self assertive at this stage in life of course that's another problem many smokers smoke together don't they yes outside very, the office very social uh, very, very bonding yeah. very so yeah. yeah so the emotional uh, links can be very complex totally non logical in most cases and very self destructive because we're constantly needing to reinforce the emotions and the dopamine circuits and the tobacco is necessary for that the behavior surrounding tobacco even that i take a break at the time when i do it uh, the behavior holding something in your fingers even all these are aspects of conditioning social uh, sorry stimulus response conditioning so when we're giving programming instructions to the subconscious actually we target all of those elements we find out from the client what are the drivers what are the pressure points we're looking for what do you get out of it the so called pleasures which we now must target with suggestions so you can get those properly in life emotional fulfillment giving yourself healthy treats rewards and pleasures feeling strong without a tobacco without a cigarette strong mentally emotionally helping them your brain settle down its brain chemistry to proper healthy functioning and the dopamine circuits coming into a healthy balance and particularly during that withdrawal phase when they feel more vulnerable those craving feelings can be very very strong for some people but they have to get the strength to go through it hypnosis will help them with all of that we may give them some aversive suggestions as well done in an ethical appropriate way this would make them feel smoking is unpleasant repulsive even uh, to neutralize those feelings that oh it's my friend i need it and i can't live without it and i want to have a cigarette now we'll target the negatives in an appropriate manner it's got to be done carefully we work on all the positives that you will as a non-smoker be healthier live longer have more stamina and fitness all the health benefits we specify those emotionally you're feeling strong not a slave 
not a victim, not an addict in a sense. And you're now living your life free of that burden of smoking and all the very destructive things that you are doing to your body, that you are choosing to do because you're responsible, even though much of the choice is subconscious. It's automatic. It's emotionally based. It's not like you decide, I'm going to ruin my lungs. I'm going to damage my body. So we're setting out all the positives, healthier, living longer, making the most of our lives, achieving our goals better, functioning more efficiently. Smokers are very inefficient because a lot of time their mind is thinking, when is my next cigarette or I have to go and have a cigarette. This is something that I hear a lot from smokers that they plan their days or their travels. Where can they get their next pack of cigarettes? Yeah. Well, during the whole day, maybe there's 10% of the day, the working day, associated with subconscious pattern of thinking about smoking and then actually doing the thing, having to leave the office. And I'm talking now in the modern context where it's not like in the old days you could smoke at work. Doctors often smoked at their desk. A GP would often do that. It's now you have to get out of the, your desk, go out of the office, stand outside the building, Yeah, certain things are unthinkable nowadays. Absolutely. Where not long ago, in the restaurants, in the cinemas, everybody was smoking. So anyway, there is all of that disruption. There is all of the smell, unpleasant aspects with the bad example. Parents are scared of giving their kids that example of smoking. And perhaps uh, then the child, well, if the father is ill or the father dies at an earlier age because of their smoking, Think of the economic consequence. Think of the parenting consequences. So as we help people with smoking, we're targeting everything in their mind that motivates them. Carrot and stick, rewards and punishment, costs and benefits. So we're going to program the positives and then target those negatives in the way that they now know they're saving themselves from these consequences because you choose Your choice to be free of smoking, you are now free of contaminating your body with toxic chemicals. You're free of wasting your money in this behavior and giving bad example, perhaps. You want to be a positive role model for others. There are so many positive creative suggestions to give to deal with the positive and the negatives and so on. And so we do a very thorough job if you're a good hypnotherapist. And that smoking success, those smoking successes will have those people often coming to you for help in other areas with their confidence issues or some area of work that they want to function better or study. And they recommend other smokers to you who also come later on often for help in other areas, maybe with their comfort eating issues or overusing alcohol. So doing well with smokers is a very important aspect of a therapist practice. And I think it's often People always, even as therapists, don't recognize how much important work they do for the community by doing this work. It is the most effective way I know of to help people give up tobacco. Of course, we must separate ourselves from the charlatans in the, in the hypnotherapy world, the hypno-cowboys, who promise one-shot success virtually every case and charge large sums of money for where the results may not arrive or... They're short-term, they're back smoking after a week or two because the approach was very superficial 
I think it's work that must be done seriously, ethically. It's one to four sessions. One or two sessions are often enough for most people when you're a good therapist. But the door is open for more programming, for additional work to help boost the motivation, the confidence and so on that you can do to make the client stronger and stronger, much stronger than any craving or temptation. In other words, you're stronger than the addiction. You're releasing now through the programming and the relaxation you're learning, and you may teach them self-hypnosis, you're releasing all your own chemicals, your dopamine, all of the wonderful chemistry of our brain, so we have the natural high, not the drug-induced high, which creates all those mental and physical problems for ourselves. I will often refer them to the fact that how, in my work at least, I've worked with plenty of clients who had pain, worked with in surgeries and complex, difficult medical procedures. And in those cases, those people were releasing their own neurochemistry. So they were able to feel high, even in the middle of a surgery. And if our brains can do that with our opiates, our dopamine, our serotonin, all of those pain-modulating neurochemicals, and there's many others. So we don't know external chemicals? Yeah, we don't need those. We can produce them themselves? We can produce them ourselves. I don't need a cigarette or heroin or any other substance that I'm abusing or because all of that, well, you can't be using heroin outside of a medical setting in any kind of a sensible, appropriate way or, or very, very rarely. So tobacco is up there with the hard drugs in many ways and the amount of harm and damage it does plus its addictive levels for most people. So I would say the hypnotherapist I would advise people to get in there, get plenty of experience working with smokers. You'll learn a lot about human motivation, self-sabotage. You'll learn a lot about how people work with it, about addiction, how to work with it. Because you can be addicted not only to substances, but to addicted to behaviors. Shopping, shoplifting, gambling. All of these are activities which trigger circuitry in the brain very similarly to smoking and other substance dependency activities, but different in other ways. We don't understand all of those links. However, when the person learns their own power, of their own inner chemistry, of their own inner subconscious mind, its creative power, its abilities in so many ways, they don't need the chemical crutch. So that's one of the great things they're learning is to empower yourself from within. And that way, smoking cessation becomes the entrance to working with addictions, for one thing, or dependencies, and also a great variety of different topics. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier, it takes about one to four sessions. When someone starts with smokers, what would you reckon how many sessions would be advisable at the beginning? I think it's always important to tell clients hypnotherapy is a serious process. And I emphasize the word process there. It's comprehensive. We're going to deal with your issues in depth as necessary. We say it's one to five or six sessions for many problems. We can review everything at four sessions. If one or two sessions do the job, and in certain areas of therapy I work with, one or two sessions are the norm for me. However, I never say, I'll guarantee that. I say, the door is open, so let's look at what you may need to follow up. I mean, after all, if a person gives up tobacco, but then turns to comfort eating, well, they're going to probably get 
fed up of that after a while and say, oh, I'm putting on so much weight, I'll go back smoking. Or they end up doing both together. You see, so you must deal with the problem at a deeper level. Perhaps there's a lot of stress that they don't know how to deal with. And tobacco interferes with the brain activity associated with stress. It temporarily dis disrupts the thinking, but it's not a real s solution. No more than people say, oh, well, for me, uh, I use XYZ drug because I'm a musician. It enhances my creativity. Well, the creativity is in the person, not the drug. The drug may release some uh, inhibitions. It may temporarily disrupt some depression, some other things are in your mind that are not healthy. And suppress the critical mind. Yeah, of course. So, of course, just for that time, you're getting a bit better, a bit more in touch with your creativity. But that's in you, and you need to learn how to release that, not to have to use the drug to do that. And when you can do that, which we teach through self-hypnosis and programming and so on, and maybe help remove any self-sabotage that I'm into, you know, the, I don't deserve to succeed, I don't believe in myself, my own creativity, my own abilities. We can target that and do it properly, whereas relying on the drug will eventually destroy the talent, maybe destroy your life. We say addiction is anti-self, anti-life, because you're putting yourself into that self-destructive victim position all the time. Long term, we say it's a slow form of suicide, maybe a very quick form of suicide in some cases. So very quickly, because I've elaborate on your question on the answer a little bit I would say when they come find the motivating factors what do you get out of smoking hmm? you're going to target those with suggestion what's the reason for giving up at this point in time and they'll tell you things there and you're going to use that information to increase on both fronts the area of where's here's the benefits we're going to help you see that's not the way to deal with it. At the subconscious level, you know it all probably logic or a lot of logically. We're going to deal with that at the subconscious level. And on the other side, in terms of what you're afraid it might do to your health, how you know, you're scared and you need to change this or that because I'm concerned my little young child will now copy me, sees me smoking out the back, hiding behind the garden shed, you know. How we would work ethically, effectively, to build that as a powerful motivator about taking responsibility, about being able to succeed, do your best. In other words, breaking through the limitations and dependencies that are such crippling aspects of addiction, which destroy and damage hope, creativity, and even health and life itself, finally. Hypnotherapists have a great deal to offer for smoking and other addictions. Thank you very much for your elaboration and also your summary. Thank you. And as this is a mini-series on various um, topics, what are we going to continue with in the next episode? Well, I think weight management and that often people say, oh, hypnosis for smoking and weight. It's known for those and I think that's for good reasons, that it can be very helpful to people provided the therapist is properly trained. And as we've already seen with your insight into smoking, that it has a lot more depth than most people probably think of. It will probably be the same with weight loss.
Well, I will just add that you know that a study in the early 90s showed that the success rate with hypnotherapy was about early 30s, about around about 30%. As opposed to the, some of these claims by the worst trained therapists, I have a 90% success. They have no basis for that in most cases, no proper follow-up statistics. Yeah. As you mentioned, the, the success rate, what would you say is the success rate of a hypnotherapist who is already very, very good at smoking cessation? Believe it or not, they can be in the 80s. Now, you can't succeed with everybody. There's a lot of issues about willingness to give up the alibis, you know, and all the things that deal with readiness for, readiness for change. And uh, so one, can, one can't make the client give up, but one can motivate them in the most powerful ways. And when I say that 30%, that was still higher than all the other therapies that were that out there. That was the highest, yeah. That was the highest. I saw that study and it was 33%. Roughly, yeah. And that was the highest of all other methods. Absolutely. So we have a lot to offer. However, you can do a lot better than 33%. Provided, because I know many therapists will say, oh, I'm, I'm in the high percentages. <laughs> well, yeah. that's what the 33% guys say, I'm in the high percentages. You've got to be well trained. You've got to know about hypnosis and inductions and deepening and programming at a very good level to be getting there. So as an advice to someone who wants to take hypnosis for smoking cessation, if a therapist says, I have a above 90% success rate, be careful. Be very careful. What's it based on? Because the data don't show that. Thank you very much, John, and talk to you in the next episode again. Thank you, Axel. Thanks to our listeners.